Ben, hello. You are not with me right now. Where are you, Ben? Yes, sad, sadly, I'm not in the Taste by Traveller studio today. Um, so I'm on assignment and um, being a good Taste by Traveller and it'll be something that you and I'll talk about down the track, I'm I sure. Cannot wait to hear, Ben, where you are. <laughs> Another wonderful destination for us today, Austria. Have you Absolutely. been, Ben? Oh, Julie, am I? I have very limited um, experience with Austria. I think, like, honestly, I may have just zipped across a corner of it on a train one time. Um, but in terms of, you know, feet on the ground, getting out and exploring, um, really zilch. So I'm hoping you've been. I have. Um, yeah. I've been to different parts at different times. And, and as you can well imagine, Austria is as beautiful mm. as everybody imagines it to be. Tyrol, skiing, and it's just above Italy, of course, so I've gone across the border. And naturally, Vienna, which is one of the most extraordinary cities. And of course, Ben, you would know that it is the music capital nearly of the world, because I'm going to say to you, who do you think came from Vienna? Well, look, I I think there must be something in the glue vine over there, Julia, because it's like a roll call, isn't it? It is. The Mozarts and the Mahlers and... You know, every Strauss imaginable, like pretty incredible. And and then, of course, there's the Vienna Boys Choir as well, mm-hmm. which is just the most amazing thing to listen to. Yeah. So when you go there, you cannot help but find some beautiful music that you want to listen to. And and right. naturally, I'll go beyond that just for a minute because and talk about the castles, the wonderful historic destinations that there are in that city, all those wonderful schloss where yeah. the Habsburgs lived, and just going through them is extraordinary. So when you when you visit, you really get a you can still sense the Habsburgs, can you? In and around Vienna, indeed you can. You can feel that history because the buildings are so amazing. And when you just walk around the main centres of where those beautiful homes are, and I call them mm-hmm. homes, not that they they're, they're much bigger than that. But of course, then mm. and and within that are the Lipizzaner horses that are in the stables there and um, exquisitely beautiful and you just go and watch them. Watching them train is enough. You don't even have to go to one of the shows. Wow. Yes. Fantastic city. Yeah. So did you go to the Schönbrunn Palace? Yes. Yes. Right. And and at at one of the palaces there, and I'm sure it was the Schönbrunn, in the main, in the the opening piazza, for want of a better Mm. expression, the square there, were the Christmas markets. So wow. you can imagine what that was like to be at the Christmas markets. You go on the tour of the palace and then you come out and you go nutso for buying every Viennese Christmas decoration you can imagine. And have you they love got a Christmas market, don't you? Oh, I do love a Christmas market. <laughs> ben, have the Viennese people got Christmas markets under control? Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Ben? I, I imagine it would be pretty festive, pretty festive and wintry and um, – Lots of sparkle and delicious things to eat and drink. And, you know, Vienna, of course, along with all those other musical stars that you mentioned, mm. Andre Rieu loves to do a concert there. Does he? Yes. In like front of, just an impromptu sort of little thing? It's, it's usually outdoors in front of one of those one of those beautiful palaces. Wow. And you can imagine what the ambiance must be like with him doing all his wonderful stuff. I do love Andre Rieu, I have to say. So, Ben, what are your thoughts on on Austria without having been there? Yeah. So, I mean, I I can imagine what it's like. You know, I've been to some of the neighbouring countries and it's 
it's quite interesting when you look at a map and you see, I mean, obviously Austria is landlocked, but it is surrounded by so many different countries. So if you've been to, I guess, the Alpine parts of Switzerland or the, you know, the adjoining parts of Germany, it probably gives you a reasonable idea of what the country is going to be like. Um, but how, how would you describe it sort of beyond Vienna? We've, you've taken us into Vienna. What about the areas to the west around uh, Innsbruck or Salzburg, those, those kind of areas? Well, Innsbruck, um, oh, sorry to say this, but also has the most exquisite Christmas market been that there is. <laughs> However, okay. if the Christmas market is not in the main, in the main square there, that mm. beautiful space has just exquisite architecture that you can see. Let me just paint a little bit of a picture for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite a long street or square. It, and, yeah. and either side, there are the most wonderful, Austrian style buildings all in slightly different colors so when you're Mm -hmm. walking along it's a rainbow of amazing architecture that you can feel the history at night it sparkles and twinkles and of course Innsbruck like other cities around the world now has all its modern amenities so you can go to the bars and the cafes and the restaurants Mm. but you are within that historic and um, exquisite feeling that was old Austria, so it's it delightful. Nice. However, the more okay. interesting thing about that part of the world, which is the Tyrol, mm-hmm. bordering Italy, of course, yeah, is Saint Anton is where I went skiing some years ago. And you know what? Saint Anton is the birthplace of modern skiing as we know it. Is that right? Yes, there was a gentleman there who thought, I need to put two bits of timber on my feet so I can get down this mountain. And that's <laughs> that's how it began. So... It is the most beautiful little village and, of it course... Sounds, it sounds quite posh, Julia. Is it posh, St. Anton? Uh, it's, like, it's like those um, ski villages throughout Europe. It's just truly beautiful. And I think it goes between being posh and just being somewhere you want to go. And, of course, the runs go on forever. And if you really want to, you mm. can ski down to somewhere in Italy and have lunch and maybe find your way back somehow. All right, you can ski across the border. I think you can. It's got a lot of, a lot of amazing runs. But you're, you're right about Austria. Um, it's surrounded by so many extraordinary countries that the influences are apparent around the borders. So whilst it has its own beautiful personality filled with history mm-hmm. and architectural charm, um, there's much to Austria that you, you really want to see. Interestingly enough, I suspect when you, when you were in Vienna and you, and you experienced all that I was just speaking about, it's mm-hmm. a hop, skip and a jump across to Bratislava. So you're in yeah. Slovakia. You could even probably go there for lunch. I think it, it did surprise me how far east Vienna is. It is it's a, a long, long way. way east, yes, it? it's a long way east. Hey, um, do you remember what you were, what you were eating? Do you remember what the food was like? Um, I think we had, um, we had a, fair bit of schnitzel but I think Austrian food is pretty much what you expect of that part of the world I think it's Germany influenced mm-hmm. um, I think fairly Swiss influenced a bit of Italy all there I think it's a, it's a melting pot of the countries that surround it yeah right. so finding um, finding what actually is pure Austrian food is not so easy but mm-hmm. it's just it's it's healthy and hearty and we're going to be speaking to a an Austrian food expert later to find out what we should be having and where we should be going specifically to eat in Austria. I do know that you can go into the mountains area, particularly Mm. in summer, 
and there's wonderful mountain huts that are actually restaurants that, that you can eat mm. in those as opposed to going into exceptionally modern and beautiful places that are on top of, you know, wonderful hotels. So you have extraordinary mm. views out across the city where you are. So I think the food experience is not bad. And, you know, the other interesting thing about Austria, Ben, is that mm. the wine is not as um, – it's not like German wine or the other countries surrounding it, but there is a little niche of Austrian wine that's just terrific. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of a, a read-up on um, on the Austrian wines and towns specifically like there's a, a wine-growing region um, way off to the east, right on the border with Hungary. Yes. So that, would, I imagine, would have some really interesting influences and um, and also down in the south on the border with Slovenia. So, so you know, that, that I'm sure visiting those areas would make for a, a particularly delightful um, little um, side trip. And then when you've had enough of the Austrian wines, Ben, you could whip across to Salzburg and you could be singing <laughs> with your arms spread out on the top of a mountain. Could you do a little bit of that for us right now? So is there a little bit of audience participation in Salzburg, is there? I think the hills are alive, Ben. Could we hear that from you? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I'm not, I don't know what you're referring to. I'm not sure I know that song. <laughs> but you see, and you, and you know, when you see Julie Andrews out there with her arms outspread, yeah. You are looking at classically what is exquisite, beautiful, amazing Austrian scenery. Ben, you know how we were always talking about, is that the one we're going to next? <laughs> yeah. What do you like at skiing, mister? I'm um, hmm, I'm an enthusiastic but infrequent um, snowboarder, actually, Julia. So you probably you'd probably get away from me as fast as you as you could on the slopes. I, I suspect. Oh, look! I tell you what, we skiers are not fond of you snowboarders. No, no, and it, it seems a little a tad unfair. Well, you make a lot of noise. You <laughs> sidle up behind us. You knock the skis out yeah. from underneath us, and you go without even an apology, Ben. That, that can happen. That, that could happen. So maybe maybe Austria is not where we're going together, but it's certainly one for us to visit. Independently. Well, I think we just, maybe we just don't have to ski. We could, you know, maybe go for a, a you know, mountain hike or… Um, Let's go to a concert in Vienna together. Okay. okay. And, and, hey, can I ask you, when you, when you went to Austria, did, yes. you, did you fly in or did you access no, by train or how did you get in? I was on a wonderful Colette coach tour that went into Austria and I had the best time. Beautiful. Yes. Lovely. Yes, it was. And and the other thing is just a, 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 a little point of interest here is that right to the very east of Austria mm-hmm. is that weeny little country called Liechtenstein, which you can go to for lunch before you head back into Austria. It's full oh, of, is that where it is? Yes, no. it's, full of, it's full of very good things to do, Austria, and one absolutely not to be missed if you go to Europe. Okay, well, I think we should, um, the taste bud travellers should give it a go. And, and let's look forward to finding out all about Austrian food and wine, Ben. It's coming up. Can't wait. Okay. When most people think about Austria, their minds go to Vienna or Mozart or Schnitzel. <laughs> but we want to know more. And to help us do that, I'm very excited to introduce Katrina Denk from the Austrian National Tourism Office. Katrina, hello and welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Austria, great, uh, great pleasure. And Austria, so amazing. I have spent a bit of time there, most memorably skiing in St. Anton a while ago and just being in Vienna recently. But there is so much more to talk about. It's really in the heart of Europe, Austria, isn't it? And it's divided into regions. Is that correct? 
Yes, that's right. So when you look at the map of Europe, Austria is right in the in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's south of Germany and Czech Republic and north of Italy and Slovenia. We have nine provinces that divide our country. So the western part is shaped by the Alps and high peaks, and it's well known for skiing and hiking in summer. And the eastern part has gentle hills and the milder climate, which makes it perfect for wine growing. If we if we just look at um, Vienna, if we start in Vienna, it, it appears to me that that city is always at the top of, or very close to the top of, the lists of the world's most livable cities. And I'm a big believer in great places to live are excellent places to visit as well. Um, what is it about Vienna, you think, that makes it so so livable, as they say? I think Vienna is just very um, diverse. So it is not a really big city. Mm. It is quite small if you compare it to, um, to other capitals in the world. Mm-hmm. And it has, it has um, so much to offer. It has... Um, green parks, it has obviously the Habsburg legacy and all the rich history you can find in the centre but as soon as you get out of Vienna um, you're surrounded by nature and then there's one particular thing about Vienna um, which is the the wine growing um, history in Vienna, mm-hmm. so it is one of the only capitals in the world which is growing wine within its city boundaries. Oh, so wow. it's worth mentioning. Yeah, incredible. Um, so there's one wine, um, the Gemischte Sachs, which is only um, made out of grapes from Vienna, and it's delicious. And you can find it everywhere in the city. That's amazing. Right, right in the city. The the. The grapes are grown. Yes, so not in not in the first but, district, obviously, yeah, but just sure. in the outer districts, like the nineteenth or the twenty third district, you can find all those um, beautiful vineyards. And a, a couple of things, a couple of must see and do things in Vienna if we were there for you know two or three days or more. Yeah, so I usually um, recommend when you get there, jump on the ring tram, which runs along the. Ringstrasse Boulevard, which mm-hmm. circles the first district. So you get a good idea um, of all the beautiful buildings. Another thing I would recommend to do is vi- the visit of the Kunsthistorische Museum, the Museum of Fine Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, just across the road or the street from there is the museum's quarter, which is home to lots and lots of different museums, cafes, um, at the Leopold Museum. Um, you can find the biggest Sheila collection. I would definitely recommend to have coffee at one of the famous coffee houses and just sit there and soak up all the beautiful history you just can take see it all around in. you. Yeah. Yes. The, the country um, has an amazing um, musical heritage, right? Um, how, how would we kind of interact and engage with that? So well, there are so many concerts every night. There's mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots to choose from. I recommend either the Musikverein or the or the State Opera, um, the Burgtheater. So there's lots and lots to choose from. Yeah, so it's literally on all year round. There's no yes, season, yes. So, so there's to speak. there's no break. Good to find the boys' choir as well, Katrina. <laughs> Yes, so the boys' choir is the oldest boys' choir in the world. Um, their home is the Moot Concert Hall, where they have their concert. But they also perform um, the, at the Sunday Mass 
at the Hofburg wow. Church. Mm-hmm. So that is quite um, a nice and interesting way to experience their, their beautiful voices. Now, if, if once we've enjoyed all of that of Vienna, which, which is just wonderful, you can hear actually, you can nearly hear music mm-hmm. when you're walking around Vienna. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. How should we get around in Austria? Ben and I love a road trip. Um, in countries or and, and particularly going by coach so we're looked after uh, and, and that's so that we can see the countryside in perfect comfort. Is that the way to go? Should we take the trains? Uh, should we drive ourselves? What do you suggest is the way that we best see Austria, Katrina? Well, taking the trains um, is super easy in Austria. We have a really, really good train system across the whole country. Um, and because Austria is so small, it never takes you long to get anywhere. So, for example, from Vienna to Salzburg, it's only a two-and-a-half-hour train ride. Hmm. And then in regards to driving in Austria, it's the best. It's probably the best way to explore some of the lesser-known parts of the country. So would you suggest a couple of lesser-known parts that we shouldn't miss? Depends what time of the year you go there, obviously. But, for example, when someone asked me about Hallstatt, mm, everyone knows Hallstatt mm-hmm. is this really beautiful village on the lake. Um, I always say, well, spend a little more time there and also visit um, Altaussee, which is only a 30-minute drive from there. Mm-hmm. And it's as beautiful um, as you can get there's pretty much no tourists it's beautiful you can walk around the lake um, it's fantastic do you have a, a favorite part of the country or a favorite kind of neighborhood with any of within any of the cities what's your favorite place um yes yeah, so in vienna i really like the seventh district mm-hmm. it's a very creative part of the city lots of Nice bars, good cafes, um, lots of small shops owned by local designers. So it's always nice to just walk around in the 7th District and, um, yeah, see all those hidden gems. And when you're taking a seat in some of those nice cafes and bars, do you have a, a favourite sort of Austrian dish that you you uh, go for when you're in town? Um. I love apple strudel. (laughs) (laughs) Do the Austrians have a sweet tooth? That's the vibe I'm getting. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's very true. I would say my grandma makes the best apple strudel. And what's the secret to, well, you know, no one else is listening. What's the secret to grandma's um, strudel? (laughs) A quick quick recipe, (laughs) recipe please, Katrina. Well, actually, it's so simple. Hmm. I did not know that because we had an event here a couple, last year and we had to make apple strudel and we just couldn't find proper apple strudel here um they could provide the strudel for the event so i just thought i might call up my grandma and see if it's if if it's hard to make Mm. and she sent me the ingredients said i should do that another that and that's it and it's really it's really simple no 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 we don't want to hear the data i want to hear the data i want to hear the data data da. we want to hear what the recipe is katrina (laughs) (laughs) so it's pretty much it's um what is it apples granny smith's got bread crumbs brown sugar raisins and butter of course yum roast the hazelnuts butter raisins and the sugar in the pan 
Then you put all the um, apples, the, you slice them, you put them in the pastry, put the hazelnut mix on top, put it in the oven and that's it. Wow. Beautiful. Now, do you, do you peel your apples when you've sliced them? Yes, yeah. yeah. You well, before them. you slice them, yes. Before you slice them, yes. Now, you didn't leave out your grandmother's secret ingredient, did you, <laughs> Katrina? You <laughs> added, added that in. <laughs> Hopefully. Now, the other thing about Austria, just one of the most amazing ski destinations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Remind us how beautiful it is and how big it is for the size of the country. Yes, so skiing is one is pretty much our national sport. Um, the Alberg, St. Anton, you mentioned it before, is the cradle of alpine skiing. That's where the technique pretty much got invented, the technique we, how we ski today. Yes, the Alberg is the centre pretty much of skiing, but it's not it's not all about the Alberg. There's so many skiing resorts, um, especially in the western part of the country. So from let's say Salzburg all the way to um, to the Swiss border, it is it is just full of skiing resorts. The season starts in December, and it always it usually ends. Um, around Easter, so in end of March, beginning of April. It always depends on how much snow we get. Last season was incredible, hmm. so it lasted really long. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's probably the best way to experience Austria in winter. And so for you, what are your hidden gems? What other parts of Austria do you just love? And, and if somebody has only a couple of days in Austria – what would you suggest they do to get the, the feel of the place? I would definitely start in, in Vienna, spend maybe two nights there. But then from there, I would go down south to Graz and southern Styria. Yes. It is the foodie destination in Austria. It is, Graz is surrounded, it's surrounded by, um, by vineyards. So wherever you go, you find local wine. They have a famous dish. It's a fried chicken with potato and seal salad. It's You need to try it when you're there. It's just incredible. That's one of the things I always get when I, get back to, when I go back to Austria. And then I also love the like, region in Salzburg or in Salzburg, Upper Austria and Styria. Mm. Um, especially in summer, it's a nice place to... To just cool down. It's surrounded by mountains. The scenery is, is breathtaking there. So yes, those are my my favourite spots. Uh, Katrina, I'm a bit embarrassed to say I haven't really been to Austria. I think maybe a train I was on <laughs> once kind of zipped across a corner of it um, between two other countries. But um, So I don't really have a sense of sort of Austrian hospitality and what the people are like. Can you tell us a bit about that? What should we, what should we expect uh, when we're on the ground in, um, in Austria? Well, Austrians, they are very open and welcoming and we love to show our great hospitality through food. Mm-hmm. So, from gourmet restaurants to Martin Tart, the principle of, the, of mindful cooking is very big, and it's always it, it's always there. So, lots of the um, restaurants are owned by our family owned, mm-hmm. and most of the time, or yeah, very often, the owner is the head chef. Great. Um, and then it 
it's not unusual that the ingredients and the produce we use at the restaurants in Mountain Heights. They either come from their own farm or mm. from the garden or just from next door. So it's all um, really about where we get our food from, how we interact with it. And it's, it's pretty much a celebration of being together and having amazing food. I think that's what we Austrians are all about. So it's really local. Sharing our food. Yeah, local and seasonal and and generous by the sounds of things. Yes. What would we be drinking uh, accompanying our meals with? You know, we've spoke, we've touched very quickly on some wine. Um, I I suspect the Austrians enjoy a beer as well. And is there something else that they drink uh, locally? Yes, beer and wine is probably mm-hmm. our, our our favorite drinks. Yeah. When it comes to beer, Salzburg is probably the place to go. Uh-huh. Um, the city has a brewing history of, I think, more than 600 years. Mm. And the two of the oldest breweries, they still exist today. So one is the Stiegel Brewery. You've probably heard about it. Um, and then the second one is the Augustina Breu which used to be an abbey and, um, yeah, it's a fantastic brewery. It's right in the middle of the city. And can we visit those? Can you, you know, yes. visit the brewery? Wow. Yes, okay. you can go there. <laughs> fantastic. And so when you go there, you get um, your beer jug and then you fill it up um, with beer and you can just get it refilled. You keep your um, jug the whole day <laughs> or night and then there are different food stalls where you can get food from. And eat it in the beer garden. <gasps> that sounds, sounds all right, very good. It? Yeah, yeah. Um, Katrina, just uh, we talk to people about you know having moments when you travel. What do you think a moment for you in Austria would be? You know, something absolutely special that takes your breath away. I think. What, well, I I'm a nature girl, mm-hmm. so I think um, one of the moment one of moments for me would be for example when I go to Innsbruck and then I take the cable car up to the Nordkette which I can do right from the city centre and then have lunch on top of the mountain overlooking the whole city and the valley I think those are just the moments where you realise how how beautiful Australia is and how blessed we are to, to call that home Just before we let you go Katrina can you just Paint a sort of a bit of an image of Austria for people who haven't gone. Could you describe it so they can imagine it in their head? Well, Austria is a perfect combination of culture and nature. So you have the the main cities like Salzburg, Vienna and Innsbruck, which are rich of history, beautiful buildings, um, lots of museums. But then as soon as you go out of those cities, you have um, pristine nature. It's very green, lots of lakes and rivers it's just very um yeah it's very special and beautiful alps and mountains of course yes in the west we have the mountains in the east it's um gentle hills so you have really you see have two different um landscapes pretty much and no kangaroos right No kangaroos. Oh, so good. Just I knew that was the case, Julia. <laughs> you said otherwise. Lots this of cows. <laughs> Thank you, Katrina. And and where can Thank people you. find out more and help plan their Austrian adventure? Um, 
Well, the first thing to do would be visiting our website. It's www.austria.info. Mm -hmm. That's where you can find itinerary suggestions, um, background stories of the cities, more about museums. And then you can also find our contact details on there. So if you have any other questions or need more detailed information, you can always send us an email and we are happy to, to answer all your questions. Wonderful. Thank you very much. It's been just very special talking to you. Even Thank with you. this even with this funny raspy voice. It's been delightful. <laughs> Thank you very Thanks, much, Katrina. Katrina. Now listeners, you're going to love what we have for you next. It's Andreas, who's an Austrian chef and a wine importer, who now lives in Australia, and it's our great pleasure to be talking to you. Hello and welcome. Thank you. So then let's talk about Austrian food, um, and it goes way beyond the the one we know most of, which is schnitzel and, of course, <laughs> strudel. If we're in Vienna, most wonderful mm -hmm. place, and we go into a restaurant, what should we order so we're actually eating the essence of, of what that city represents or the area of Austria around there? And then we can spin on back to the Tyrol in a minute. I think you, if, you, if you would spend... Uh five days in Vienna, I think you wanna you do wanna go through the classics of your 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 goulash or your um uh your your schnitzel. You do want to, to, to find places that, that present that that very well. But then afterwards we have uh, a lot a lot of uh, very, very, very high level uh fine dining restaurants which cook which use Austrian products but in a in a in a modern way. Uh, and then anything is possible. You can combine, you know. It's 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 no different. It, it, it it's it's just an Austrian spin on on uh, on fine dining, if you like. So the Austrian spin is sauces. Is it is it um, is pardon me for using probably an Australian expression. Is it grilled or barbecued? Um, no, is Austrians, it stew like? Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're very proud. I mean, there's a big history of of braised meat. Um, so we we do a lot of braising because we use um, whole animals. So you can't just grill and barbecue everything. Yes. Um, we have a history of of which are very famous the the boiled the boiled meats. And if you can, this is not that easy to find because it's extremely labour intensive. Um, but there's specialist restaurants that do, you know, the tougher spits and uh, you know this this kind of like. The Italians will call it a polito misto or a pot of feu, but our version of it is um, is the boiled, the boiled beef. Yes. So it's it, polito misto is sort of a, a mixed stew, for want of mm -hmm. a better word. It, it doesn't yep. sound kind enough to call it a stew. It doesn't. It's always yeah. difficult to actually <laughs> to actually put that in words. <laughs> but but it it, it is. Um, it's just a deep, rich, wonderful flavour. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Let, let me head on back to Innsbruck, only because it's the centre of the Tyrol area and has mm -hmm. is bordering Switzerland and Italy. Um, I was reading about mountain food in in um, Innsbruck. So you go outside Innsbruck and you can go into the mountain areas and you'll find a, um, a somewhere there, not necessarily on the ski slopes, but some beautiful place that will give you food that is traditional to that that type of living in Austria. If you live on the Alp and yes. you produce your own cheese and you produce your own smoked meat and your dried meat and 
this is this is what alpine food is. Alpine food is dairy uh, mixed with um, you know with what we call chocolate. Um, and there's some amazing Tyrolean examples. This is what they're famous for. But we we sl- only slowly see less commercial things come true. But it is it is happening. Yes, because I think it's travellers actually want what is what is yes. customary in the area. They just don't want food that they can get anywhere else in the world. That's what's happening, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The the problem with that is is people would come in uh, in July, and if you tell them that venison is a specialty of Tyrol, they they think they can have venison in July. But it's not like that because it's much more seasonal. I, I guess so. You need to, <laughs> people need to understand that this is a, a much more intense environment, especially in the West. Once you get into the Alps, I think the interesting thing that's that that, that, that we know about travellers is they are wanting more and more that authentic experience. So hopefully, mm-hmm. when you say there's no venison in July, they're going to go. Thank you. What should we be eating now? Something that we right. we try and we want for our listeners, um, Andreas is. Is there a simple Austrian recipe that you would have that, that people can actually cook? Just a simple one that they can do at home. In my opinion, um, yes. if you can buy yourself a silver side, an uncured silver side, yes. uh, you can put it in a pot, uh, slowly boil it. You add your carrots, your uh, celery, uh, some parsley uh, stems and, and, and different type of herbs and you can you can slowly slowly boil that and in winter especially you know we're still in this time of the year you can have a fabulous meal and you can make yourself a little uh, you know a mayonnaise based sauce or some uh, some grated horseradish with it right. and, and this is essentially the the Tafelspitz that I'm talking about so that's not very this is very simple to do oh yes but sounds so it, delicious it's yeah, and it, it, you can eat that over. You get you get soup. You get a main meal. It's uh, quite substantial. Oh, the silver side would be delicious. Now I'm just mm. going to go back to standard Austrian fare. If you pardon me, are there any secrets to cooking a good schnitzel? <laughs> um, a good schnitzel is there's nothing there's nothing too difficult about it. The the main thing is that you use veal. Yes. And that you try to get white veal. So we do have that in – this is available in Australia. It is a little bit more expensive. But the veal is white in color. So it's not, not a good idea to use yearling, what we usually call veal. Um, afterwards, yes, you just have to – Do uh, your breadcrumbs have anything special in them? No, nothing at all. Nothing, just – Breadcrumbs, no, but I bet back in yeah, that back in in uh, earlier times, the breadcrumbs would have been dried from what bread you didn't eat, as opposed to just whipping down to the supermarket. This is still uh, in Austria. Every baker has leftover uh, bread rolls, and they all grate bread rolls and sell breadcrumbs. So oh, for us, that's the most that's the most normal thing to do. The only reason why this whole thing probably was ever invented is because we needed to use the bread from yesterday. <laughs> Um, can, then let me just a little bit more bef- before we let you go because um, yeah. if you've given us that lovely silver side dish, that's just amazing. Thank you very much. W- well worth trying because silver side is is popular mm. here too. Uh, the uh, just the wine when because it's not as as well known as the other wines. When people what would like to try it, what do you suggest they go for, Andreas? Um. The one, the good thing, and I, I speak about this a lot, is in in Austria you can 
100% rely that you're going to have dry wines. So there's right. no secret of, uh, it's not like in Germany, oh, is this going to be a little bit sweet? Is it going to be a little bit like this? No, it's a dr you will drink dry wine. And we have Riesling and Grüner Wettliner as our lead varieties for white wine. So that's that's one thing. Yes. But then there's there's Vienna, where we have what's called this gemischter uh, Satz. This is the cuvee. And um, it's usually a blend of many varieties, up to 16 varieties. And this is the great tradition of Vienna, and it's it's a it's a it's a very very interesting thing that has that has come back in recent years, uh, and and is made with uh, higher quality these days. So, are there any sort of spirits or, or anything? You know, the Irish people have whiskey. Then we talk about the Italians having their homemade grappa, and the and the mm -hmm. Irish also have pochin. And is there anything Austrian that we should? <laughs> Give a run to uh -huh. the one that if you have a small glass, you are blind drunk the moment you have it. That one, yes. You have one um, of those, good. <laughs> we not we before you go skiing. Yes, lots of those. Oh, Fantastic. Lots of those. We're actually um, Austrians are extremely famous for making high quality spirit. Yes. Um, it is made in minusculous amounts in a, on a world scale, but any fruit you can imagine, we certainly distill. Apricot, uh, peach, blackberry, it's all white, white spirits of, I have to say, usually the highest quality. Yes, um, fantastic. They are relatively pricey, um, but they are of top, top quality. And delicious, Un unlike the grappa that my grandfather used uh, to make back in Italy. Yes. Not necessarily yes. top quality, Andreas, I have to say. Yes, well, we, we use... Uh, most of our fruit, uh, our spirits are fruit spirits. Is there any any um, tradition that goes with drinking them? You know, when the Dutch people, when you drink their spirits, you have to put your glass on top of your head to make sure they know that you have finished. So you I'm drink. Sorry. You did the Dutch people. You drink. You click your glasses. You drink a little aperitif, and then you have to turn your glass upside down on your head, so they know you have absolutely drunk the last drop. What do you do in Austria? Or you're more genteel? Than... I think I think we must be because <laughs> yeah. I don't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you upset the Dutch people if you don't you don't put your glass on mm -hmm. your head. Yes, so that well, the next time you go to Holland, you know that Andreas, you have to put your glass on your head. Good, I will remember. I'm going to ask you one or two last points about eating in Austria when we visit. You, the expert, give us one suggestion on that and one on wine or two on food, if you'd prefer. I'm, I'm uh, extremely biased here. I have a, I have a, a restaurant, a venue. It's called the, the Black Camel or the Schwarze Kamel. Yes. It's in, it's in the centre the center of Vienna. It's been there since the, the first time it opened. I think it was in 1618. 16, oh, and it's been wonderful. on the same spot. Um, they... It's a, a modern-run venue today. They produce awesome traditional food, uh, good wine list, fun people, right in the middle of the city. My my living room when I'm at home. Um, it's a bar. It's a restaurant. It's as I said, you know, I, I just really like that place. It's one of my favorite places. Name it again it's, for us, Andreas. It's called the the Schwarze Kamel. The black camel. The black camel. We must remember yes. that. 
Thank yeah. that, that and, and any other suggestion? Um, in the other suggestion, if you get a chance to get out out of Vienna, go to the the city of Krems. Yes. Uh, have it. See if you can get an opportunity to get get into the vineyards, and there's lots of Heurigans out there, like these these wine bars which we have in the in the vineyards or or there, and eat and drink somewhere there. Now Krems is is west of Vienna. How far away can is it? A couple of hours? No, 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 no. It's forty five minutes. Forty five minute. How? So go to Krems. To, to all wonderful bars there and go to the Black Camel in Vienna. Andreas, thank you very much. Great pleasure to speak to you. Where can we find you if we want to go and get more information? It's enotecasydney.com.au. Enotecasydney.com.au. Andreas, thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. And coming up, we are talking to Paul Diamond again from Selector Magazine at Wine Selectors about all things Austria. Hello, Paul. It's wonderful to have you back. Paul Diamond from Selector Magazine at Wine Selectors to talk about, as Ben mentioned earlier, all things Austrian. It's so lovely to be here with both of you. Great to have you here, Paul. Right now. It's wonderful. Now, tell us about wine in Austria. Is it a special wine country? Is it developing? Do we know it and love it? How does it go? Look, traditionally, it's in a hard place. It's up against some of the the great European powerhouses of wine, particularly Germany, but mm. the popularity of uh, Austrian wine is certainly growing as people, particularly Australians, are looking for lighter, more elegant styles of wine, and that's what Austria does very, very well, particularly um, varieties like Riesling, um, particularly um, like varieties like Grüner Wurtliner, which we're starting to see here in Australia. Um, wonderful, clean, clean, crisp, light white wines that are pretty sexy. Why do they do those so well? Well, it's not very hot. So it, you need lots and lots of heat to get ultimate ripeness in, in, in wine. Um, and because these are at the base of the Alps um, mm-hmm. and pretty close up the Northern Hemisphere, um, you don't get that warmth that generates the sugar levels, which in turn then generates the alcohol. So they concentrate on very, very, um, you know, the alcohol is probably around about 11 to 12%. Um, the wine that we're going to try today is 11.5, 12 um, and yeah, they're just fantastic and light and beautiful and fresh. And we're starting to see more of them here in Australia, which is pretty cool. And what about uh, red wines? There are a few red wines. They're mostly sort of like lighter Pinot Noirs, um, but they, they certainly don't um, they don't match up to the types of wines that we grow here in terms of weight, depth, and alcohol. They're they're very very light. They don't make a lot of them. White wine is regarded more of an exportable product just because mm-hmm. it's so fine and elegant, um, mm-hmm. but not generally regarded for its reds. Now, Austria is bordered by a lot of countries. Who influences the winemaking most? Look, you'd have to say most of the, the influences there are, are Germanic. There are some Hungarian influences there, but most of the styles and uh, generally will come from there. Look, there, there's been wine there forever, but mm. um, ultimately what is popular, what is commercial um, is mostly Germanic. We were hearing that strudel is one of the delights of Austria. <laughs> what should we put with a good strudel, sir? Um, look, there is a wine from Hungary just down the road called Tokai Zoo. It's, it's very, very similar to Albatrotus wines in Australia. And because strudels are sort of sweet um, sort of pastry, dessert wines go beautifully with that. Right. The, the, the cool thing about those wines is they've got a lot of depth and acidity, so they, they taste sweet but finish nice and clean and dry. And the Riesling with the schnitzel and the 
pork knuckle and those kind of things? Is that does yeah, why not? I mean, that for sure, that, that you know, the, the the varieties of styles, you know, from the clean and fresh that we're about to try now to the sort of slightly more aged and 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 more sort of sugar orientated wines with depth, definitely a go. And that's why it's always good to ask whoever's looking mm. after you to suggest something that's going to match. Now, delightfully, we mm. have a bottle right in front of us that we we're going indeed. to hear about we and going to try. Sort of slender bottle. Yes, leads me to think it's a riesling. It, it is a riesling. That is absolutely right. But yeah. it's uh, it's from a, a wine region um, that is pretty popular um, here in Australia. We're starting to see a lot of wines come from it into Australia, um, Buckau, and it's it's you know it's a pilgrimage for some Australians. I know a few younger Australians who like to go and and take river cruises, and it's easy to get to. Um, and this is just one of them that comes from there, and it's nice, fresh, and crisp. But maybe so it's we should try. Wachau region, is yep. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelt W A C H A U. Great. Okay. So, would you like to taste it, Ben? Absolutely. Yeah. You can tell me what you think. I hope you're not expecting some really sophisticated, you know, dissertation. About it's a like or, or don't like <laughs> kind of thing. Julia. Oh, I will. Yeah. It's it's a good thing for a cold, and I've had for. A couple of weeks now. You have to smell it. Very good. Oh, I did. Did you? Did you put your nose in? Right in, yeah. It smells good. Yeah, it's great. Soft, So where do we get this Mm. in Australia? Where do you buy it? Anywhere. Um, You know, um, I got this from a a, a national bottle shop chain that I won't mention, but Mm. um, we at Wine Selectors, we sell, um, you know, Austrian varieties that have grown here in Australia. Grunewaldlener is probably the easiest place to start. A lot of the Adla- um, a lot of producers in the Adelaide Hills um, produce it and the wines are beautiful. Worth travelling for. Absolutely. And look, we will put the name of the wine in the show notes as well. So mm, if anyone sure. wants to track it down, they can they can find that information there. But it's <laughs> funny because I think we all, particularly when we're talking about places like Austria or anywhere really long haul and we spend a day getting there and a day getting back and our time's limited and we often fall into that trap of trying to cram as much in as we can. Yep. It's really important to have those moments where you literally stop, breathe. Absolutely. And if you and watch and, and just if, take some time. And if to you're travelling with family or kids, I remember a few times you've spoken about travelling with your children, yeah. how big a deal it is and you, you get caught up in that and don't go over there and do this and where's the passports and to step back from that for a minute is really is is sometimes hard, but when you do it it's so cool. Could could you give us a little meditative could you give us a little meditative moment? Right sure. now, because well, we're here with a Riesling, so if we just imagine we're on a little terrace in Salzburg, or yeah, imagine, imagine we've we been walking that? all morning yep. and we're stopping somewhere for lunch, and we're just having somewhere that's sort of got a big window, and we're looking up into the Alps, and we've just been given this oh. as a glass and and some food, and we stop to try it, and we and we go for a light white, yeah, like we, a Riesling. They've just given us this. <laughs> we might even not even not even know what it is, but it's delicious, delightful, and. Over to you, Ben. What's it like? What do you think? Have you put your nose in it? I have. Yeah? Yes. Um, My nose is not as big as yours, though, so I, it doesn't go as deep into the it's glass. It's really um, simple, almost. Mm. Like this, yes. you know, I might be wrong, but it doesn't – I'm not getting eight notes of no. different things. Very simple, yeah. clean, fresh. Delicate. Delicate. Mm. It's like, it's like, it's I mean, amazing it's, colour. It's, it's designed – that's that kind of – that's very much because of their climate. You're not going to get big and super, super complex. You're going to get um, the other spectrum, which is light, elegant, soft, um, as this wine would open up. And, and with food, certainly, I think that it would 
would evolve and change and the, our language would change after a second glass perhaps. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I don't understand wine quite so much as you just did then and if I were just to talk about what I found mm-hmm. in it, you just want to have some more. Mm. That would be it. It is dangerous. But it is is very light in alcohol. So you could sort of have a bottle between three people. You're only having a glass and a half each and Mm -hmm. that would be perfect. And then off you went. Divine. Mm. Nice way to spend it. Should we go to Austria? Let's go now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Wonderful. Vachau. Is that how you pronounce it? Vachau, yep. Vachau. W-A-C-H-A-U. Yep. Cheers. 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 Oh, Julia, that was a great episode. Can't wait for the next one. I love these podcasts. And yeah, me too. Great fun. Listeners, we need your input. A couple of reasons. We just want you to rate us so that we can do the best job we can for you and it also helps other listeners join us. Yeah, help other people find um, Taste Bud Traveller and, of course, subscribe for your weekly dose of travel goodness. Speak to you next week. Bye.